Welcome to Phoenix and Flame, pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. This podcast is not intended for use as psychotherapy. If you feel you are in crisis, please call 911 or contact your local crisis hotline. Welcome to Phoenix and Flame. I'm Dana, and this is my podcast on pushing through and transforming even when you feel like a pile of ash. Well, I have been given the privilege of interviewing Wendy Wallace today. I am very excited to hear Wendy's story. To tell you a little bit about Wendy before we begin, Wendy is a wife, a mom, Christian living and positivity coach, inspirational digital content creator at One Exceptional Life, and She's an ice cream lover. (laughs) She is also a quadruple amputee. A flesh-eating bacterial infection resulted in a coma, three-month hospital stay, and amputations of both hands and both feet. Now, what you might consider the worst thing that could have happened, actually, Wendy views as for her good and for God's glory. Wendy says, by God's wonderful grace, she is living one exceptional life, where, in true form with 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, quote, God comforted her in all her tribulations so that she can comfort, encourage, and lead other women to rediscover God's joy and peace amid the trials of life, end quote. Wendy, welcome to Phoenix and Flame. Thank you so much, Dana. I'm excited to be here with you today. I am so thrilled that you were able to take your time and to talk with me. That is quite a bio. And I'm wondering if you wouldn't mind just kind of taking us back to what you looked like, what your life looked like before the infection, and we can kind of build from there. I was a busy mom of three teenagers. Everybody had their own activities going on, and I was building a home business. So just trying to hold down the fort and all that, it was just a real busy, but it was a happy life. You know, everything was good. And on one night I was bringing my son home from one of his events and I just started to feel crummy. I thought I was getting the flu bug, but I also had an unusual swelling on my leg, which was kind of bizarre. And I didn't think much about it. I just came home, went to bed. And I stayed there for a couple of days until my husband said, this isn't right. You're not getting better. We need to go get this checked out. So we went to the hospital. Really, the last thing I remember from that hospital was the oxygen mask. I started to lose my ability to breathe. The oxygen was going down. Oh, wow. They slapped an oxygen mask on me and that was it. And from there, they had life flighted me to a bigger hospital that was better able to care for me. But the doctors told my husband, you know, this doesn't look good. I don't think she's going to make it. And you need to prepare for that. They told them that I had less than 1% chance of survival. So he's there with three kids. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They were like, wait, she was just with us. What happened? And so they did, they diagnosed the flesh eating bacteria and the swelling on my leg it was an ingrown hair where that bacteria found its way into my body. 
an ingrown hair. You're kidding me. Like you weren't you weren't like going down the, the, the river in the Amazon or anything like that. This is just an ingrown hair. Yeah. Whoa. Oh my goodness. Super crazy. And so what they did when I was actually in a medically induced coma, there were five or six surgeries where they were removing that bacteria. And as long as I had a fever, there was bacteria in my body. And so they kept going back in, kept going back in because they didn't want to take more than they needed to. Right. And when the doctors told my husband that I wasn't going to survive this, he said, you know what? You do not know my God and you don't know what he's capable of. You do your job. I'll get on the prayer list, the prayer chain, and we'll get people (laughs) praying. She's going to be fine. You just wait and see. And that's what happened. We had people praying all over the country. You know how fast social media just goes. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And, you know, the people in my business were praying, our church family, everybody was praying. And after, I don't know, maybe a week or 10 days, things started to turn around. God was answering those prayers. But in order to save my life, they did need to amputate. And... I consider this even more bizarre than my leg issue (laughs) was that they woke me up from the coma to tell me or even ask my permission. Hey, is it okay if we do this? And I had no idea what was going on. I thought I had the flu last I heard. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. And so the doctor was there with my husband and, you know, my husband was just devastated And they showed me my hands and I remember they were just black and icky. And they said, okay, here's your choice. Say goodbye or give us permission to amputate. Uh I'm like, well, what kind of a question is that? I said, here I am looking at my husband who's just crying. And I'm like, no, just do it. Do it. My family needs me. Whoa. And the lights went back out. <laughs> so in, in total, I was in a coma for three weeks. Oh, my goodness. And, and then when I woke up, I had bandages where my hands and feet had been. Oh, my God. I'm trying to just absorb. And I'm trying to put myself in your shoes and yeah. just kind of absorbing and, and trying to figure out what that must have felt like. I mean, you've come so far since then. Yeah. But I'm thinking at that time, and you gave permission because clearly you either did that or you were going to die. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a no brainer on that level. But still, when you woke up and looked down, what did that? What was that like? When you, I mean, at that point, it, was it just your? Was it just your hands at that point, or was it both? No, they took everything. They took both hands and both feet, and everything was like even Steven, like the arms are right above the wrist and the legs were, I don't know, mid calf. Okay. And so I'm even on both sides, but you know, my faith has always been strong. Obviously, you know, I had this prayer chain going that was just knocking on God's door and I don't remember panic. I remember I need to talk to God about this because I need some peace and I need some direction. And that's the only place I'm going to get it. 
And so I do remember praying. And what's funny is for the three months that I was in hospitals and rehab, there's very little I remember, but I remember them waking me up from a coma, if you can believe that. And I remember the prayer because my favorite scripture is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, mm. which says, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he will direct thy paths. And that I prayed that back to God. And I just said, Lord, I don't know what's going on. All I know is from here on out, we need you. I'm going to trust that this is just whatever this is, you've allowed it to happen. Mm -hmm. I need you to guide me now. And you know what? I had peace. I just, you know, I don't have any memories of panic back in those days. It is. I mean, it's so amazing to me because so many people would have just stayed, tried to stay anyway in their own strength, which would have been very yeah. little. And they would have looked down and they would have looked at the absence of their hands. Like instead of seeing their hands, they would have seen the sheet. Their arms would have ended and there's no hand. There's no feet. Where their feet should have been is, is a sheet, is a, is a white hospital sheet. And they would have, I would imagine, just started freaking out. But what I'm hearing you say. Lots and lots of bandages. Lots and lots of bandages. Wow. But you were able to take that moment and go, you know what, I, I'm going to lean on God because he allowed this to happen. And the only way to find peace is through him is what I'm hearing you say. Yes. Wow. And I, oftentimes I get the question, well, were you angry at God? Mm -hmm. And I honestly, no, I never was because, you know, I'd always understood that there's God has a reason for everything that he allows. And I didn't know what it was. And for the longest time I questioned why, why me? What did I do? How did this happen? What? Why? And it took me a long time to figure it out. And, but when I did, it was like, oh, yeah, I'm getting it now. <laughs> and it was like, okay. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So I spent a lot of time just questioning and studying. My spiritual life grew through that because it was all that questioning and researching. And, you know, we studied it out in church and all of that stuff. And I learned that bad things happen to good people, not always because of things that we do or you know, chastisement or, you know, this was clearly beyond any chastisement I could have done anything for. Yeah. It was because sometimes the Lord needs to use that situation for the benefit of others, which is why I use that second Corinthians one, four, mm -hmm. because it's kind of like, you know, when you have a friend that goes through cancer unless you've been through it yourself, you're like, oh, I don't know what I could possibly say to that person. But if you've been there, then you can relate yep. and you can comfort way better. So, and, and it's not that I'm exposed to all these people who've lost limbs, even though, you know, I have met many, many, 
But to have that kind of a struggle, it's easier for me to understand. You know, and I use this example, you know, whether it's a hangnail or a lost limb, everybody has their own thing that they're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And it's just easier to know and how to cope and how to rebound and how to teach that when you've been there. And so when I created my blog, I started writing and sharing my story the feedback I was getting made me realize that God allowed this to happen so that I could be there for the benefit of other people. And when you get that realization, Mm -hmm. it's like, now I know what my purpose is. Now I know how he wants me to serve him. When oftentimes we question that. Yes, we question it a lot. I I remember years and years ago doing some research on uh, pain tolerance. And one of the, well, actually several of the research articles showed that if we believe there's a reason for the pain, then our pain tolerance goes up quite a bit. I mean, to a statistically significant level, We we can tolerate a lot more if we feel like there's a reason versus if we feel like it's just totally random that is just happening, that there's no reason for it whatsoever, then if that's the way we feel, our pain tolerance is not very high. But if we feel like there's a reason, then, I mean, they they did the research. I mean, it's statistically significant. We can tolerate Mm -hmm. a lot more pain if we feel that there is a reason for it. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say right now. Yeah. And, you know, I think with the exception of phantom pain, that's probably true because <laughs> I've had a lot of phantom pain these last couple of days. And I'm like, what is going on? Because there's no rhyme or reason to that. That's true. That's kind of hard to deal with because you're, you're paying, you're looking, something's hurting and you're looking down, but there's no. Yeah. There's, there's nothing you can do about it. You can't rub it. You can't put lotion on it. You can't, it's just. It's just there. It's the worst. Well, and. I wrote down some questions that I want to ask you, but first I'm kind of wondering when you first came home after the hospital, what were some of the things that were the biggest challenges for you? My kids were teenagers, 13, 15 and 18. And he was graduating from high school. And these are critical times for the kids to need their mama. Mm -hmm. All I could do for them was just listen and talk. I couldn't cook for them anymore. I couldn't do the laundry or clean their house or, and even at that point I couldn't run them around. Thankfully I had an 18 year old who had his license that could take the kids where they needed to go. And I think the cooking was the biggest loss because I love to cook. It's just, you know, it's kind of a way to show love for the people around you. Uh But the way they amputated, I mean, I can't even flip a pancake because they fused my flipper bones together somehow. And so, yeah, that was the biggest thing. I was just there and that was all I could do. And that was the hardest part. Wow. I can see that. They were at an age where they were able to chip in and just take over. You know, my husband did his job and came home and took care of me and, and, you know, the more personal ways, but they were able to handle the house stuff. Well, you, you sound to me like, you know, uh, hands-on, literally, 
you were a hands-on mom and you enjoyed doing a lot of that stuff for your boys. I have three kids of my own. They're grown and, and launched now, but I remember those years. So I can totally relate to what you're saying. And I'm wondering, because I'm putting myself in your shoes and, and I can feel what that must have felt like. Did you struggle with identity? Did you have to redefine your role in the family, your value, since you couldn't do these things and that in the past you did and you enjoyed doing to serve your family and you couldn't do it at that time? Did you go through any kind of transformation of who am I and what do I offer? Or not so much. Oh, definitely. You know, I have two boys and a girl and they just, I'm thankful for everything that I taught them as they were growing up so that they could be independent and help. But yeah, I mean, to say all I could do was just be there for them is huge. But in my mind, it was never going to be enough. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and the other part is, all the surgery that they did to remove the bacterial infection, they cut some significant parts of my body away in addition to my hands and feet. So, you know, even to this day, I struggle looking in the mirror. My husband's always like, you're alive. This is good. This is good. And I'm like, yeah, but this is what it looks like. He says, I don't care. You're here. Yeah. And so I think that was even bigger though, is, I'm a freak. You know, I did struggle with that and the lack of what I offered was hard. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had run a business before my passion for that wasn't there anymore. So once I got prosthetic legs, those are great because you slap them on and, you know, life goes on as if, you know, you've got legs, they're there. But the prosthetic hands they offered were just horrible. They were clunky and heavy and they did nothing for me. Hmm. So I decided I was going to go without. And I ended up, I know that your audience can't see this, but you can. Right. It's just a stylus that's strapped to my wrist. Right. And so when I started to write, this is what I did. I just used this little thing and strapped my cell phone on my other wrist and typed all day long. And that gave me purpose, too, because I knew I was reaching people. But I do have to tell you the turning point story, though, because, you know, there was a period where I was in this pity party trying to figure out where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. And Megan, our middle child, she was about 21 at the time. She's like, Mom, we're going tubing in the inner tube down the river. <laughs> like, what? And my family never saw me as handicapped because they always knew me as somebody who would just, if I wanted to do something, I was going to do it and I was going to figure it out. And so when she, I thought she'd lost her ever loving mind, throw a woman with no hands and feet in a tube and shove her down the river. And let's see how this one turns out. And finally I'm like, all right, well, she's not going to let me die. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> so we ended up going. And what's cool is I, had up till that point I was like no I can't do that I don't have hands hmm. I can't do this I can't do that and I was using that excuse for everything but when I found out that I could actually float down a river in a tube it was like oh, you know what I'm not so incapable 
as I was thinking I was. And so if I can do this, then I know there's other stuff that I can wow. do. Wow. Yes. And so from that point, I was more willing to try new things. The family was like, you should write a book. You should write your story. And I always just said, what? I lost, I got sick. I lost my limbs and end of story. Right. <laughs> I didn't know what to write about. So the next day after this tubing adventure, I set up my website and I started writing. It was just so cool. Well, initially it was like, okay, this is me in the kitchen, not cooking very well. <laughs> and it was just so, so fun and pitiful. And I realized I didn't want to talk about amputations. I wanted to talk about what happens later. Moving on, mm-hmm. getting over it, getting out of your pity party and just living life. Mm-hmm. And that's where one exceptional life went from there. Well, so that is a wonderful point because I, I'm, I'm a psychotherapist and I see patients all the time. I have been for 15 years. And so I run into people occasionally that they sometimes get stuck in that place and they have a really hard time moving forward. So from someone who's experienced what you've experienced and faced what you have faced, if there's someone out there in the listening community right now who could possibly be in one of those places where they're just really struggling, maybe they've gone through some things, some things have been taken away from them, or they've had to endure some things that they feel like is quite unfair, um, things that they feel like they don't deserve, and they're kind of stuck in that really negative headspace. What would you share with them from your very exceptional point of view? You have street cred now. <laughs> You, you have street cred for, because of what you've gone through, it's not just simply words, you have lived this. And so they might listen to someone like you when they might not listen to someone else. So what would you share Mm -hmm. with someone who's like stuck in that spot? Well, the things that I have done to really rebound, I guess, was to dig into the word of God and to lean on his promises But not only that is to find blessings in things, even the bad stuff. I'm a firm believer in there's a silver lining in every dark cloud. So gratitude also is a huge proponent. And so is doing service to other people. You know how when you're just having a crummy day, but your friend calls and says, Hey, you know, I'm not feeling good and just starts dumping on you. And all of a sudden you want to go cook a meal or, or send them a card or some encouraging something or other. It always makes you feel better. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very powerful when you put somebody else's needs in front of your own and distraction is a good thing. As a psychotherapist, you're familiar with the uh, anniversary effect, right? Yes. So that just means, you know, we remember things. It just comes back to us. Our bodies just know. And every year on April 3rd, or actually because two weeks prior to that, a few years before that, I lost my mom. So there was a two-week period in March. I would get depressed and it wouldn't even hit me. 
And I was like, what is going on? Why is it always the same time? I know we're coming up on this, but why is it so physical? I did some research into that and I understood that it's just the body's way of recognizing what you've been through. So when I started my blog and I started writing and I started learning how to promote and, you know, oh my goodness, all the stuff that goes into that, you you know, probably from (laughs) podcast, the very next year, that period of time went by without me even knowing it. Interesting. And I looked at the calendar and it was April 5th because the third and the fourth were those hospital first. And I looked at the calendar and I'm like, I missed it. I missed it. And I was so excited that all the distraction that I had been working on, you know, building this website and everything that goes into it was everything that I needed just to distract me and put my sights on something more important than feeling sorry for myself. And that's not to say that natural reactions on those anniversaries is, I don't even know, but there's a way out. It goes back to that whole, find something you love to do, whether it's something completely different than what you know, or just get back into something that you used to love. And I think it makes a huge difference for moving on because as long as we sit in our woes and that's all we think about, then that's all we think about. That's a very good point. And you brought up earlier, you know, we're talking about gratitude. I frequently will find myself in a conversation with, with my patients and they're comparing themselves. They almost always are comparing themselves to someone who has more, who is better, smarter, richer, faster, better looking. I mean, fill in the blank, you know, more renowned, more accomplished, but I'm like, it's a spectrum. So yes, those people exist. We can all find people to compare ourselves to that have things we don't have and we wish we did, but I'm like, Mm -hmm. look on the other side, look at the people that don't have what you have. You can see, you can, you know, you can do this, you can do that. Well, look at all these people that cannot. So Mm -hmm. sometimes they just kind of sit and stare at me. I'm like, I get what you're saying, but you're on a spectrum and you're only looking at half of it. You have to Mm -hmm. turn around, you know, turn your head around and look at the people that they wish they had what you have. And so that seems to help with the gratitude at times. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say is just kind of Mm -hmm. be thankful for what you do have and reach out and find something to do. And instead of sitting and kind of wallowing in, Mm-hmm. all the the self-pity and then they might say well well this isn't fair you know you hear this a lot this isn't fair this is not fair or i don't deserve this i don't deserve this and this is not fair and i can't believe in a god who would allow something like this to happen you know you hear that quite a bit you hear it in conversations you hear it on tv shows you know i just cannot mm-hmm. allow myself to believe in a god who would allow these horrible things to happen to these wonderful people what would you say to that I'd say that nobody's perfect. He knew that right from the beginning. And that's why he sent Jesus. God allowed his son to be nailed to a cross. And he did it so that the rest of us have hope. Mm -hmm. We don't know what God sees. It's not like he's up there with headphones on in front of his 
computer going, okay, well, Wendy's going to get legs chopped off this day. You know, he's not, he doesn't do those sorts of things. And I often think like, well, when people die, why did they have to do that? Why were they taken? And, but we don't know. It could have prevented them from something far worse Mm -hmm. in their life. So I think we never will really understand God's perspective, but we do know that he's a good God and that all things are done for our good and his glory. And so that's why I say, once I realized what my purpose was and I realized that the thousands of people that I have impacted by what I've gone through gives me the ability to say, this has been a blessing, not a curse. Wow. That's amazing that you have been able to reach. That's a, that's long, a, <laughs> that's a, stretch, that's a journey. I, I believe it. Yeah. You know, listening to what you just shared, I think sometimes when people say, you know, this shouldn't be happening, that shouldn't be happening. And I find myself thinking, you know, we're not in heaven yet. This is not heaven. And so bad things happen sometimes. And because this is earth, this is not heaven. So that means that we're going to have to go through some pretty crappy stuff sometimes. And then what you were saying about, we don't really understand the large picture. We know God is good, but we don't understand the larger picture. I think of the scripture that says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, are my ways above your ways, are my thoughts above your thoughts. And personally, Mm -hmm. I find that rather liberating because to me, that means I can let go. I don't have to try to understand everything because being a human being, I mean, to be honest, Wendy, I, in college, I could walk by the chemistry building on campus and my GPA would start dropping. I'm just saying, I can't, I can't even, with my brain, I don't even get chemistry. Okay. So I'm going to let go of it, of this, any kind of an idea that I'm going to be able to understand why everything happens. And as a Christian, we can just trust, trust that God does know why, that he knows mm-hmm. us. I love the scriptures that says, um, you know, I knew you before you were born. I knew you before I knit you together in your mother's womb. In, in Psalm, it says, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so as Christians, we can just sit in that. And it doesn't mean our life's going to be easy. I mean, the Bible is full of very wonderful, godly people that their lives were really, really, really hard. But God was with them and God drove them. And so I really like that part of your story that you're like, you know, yeah, this happened. And I I reached out to God and he was able to give me peace when I couldn't really find it within myself. Well, he even told to Job when Job said, why did this have to happen? And he said, "Did you, were you there when I created the universe? Yes. You know, who are you to really just question me? Again, you know, my ways are higher than your ways. And faith, if you don't have it, it's just difficult, I think. But faith is not, it doesn't cause us to get well gets us through the hard times. It allows us to say, yeah, God is 
bigger. He knows more. And who am I to think I'm deserving of anything? Right? So I'm often asked, well, you know, you and your faith. And I'm like, we have a faith has given me the strength and the courage Mm -hmm. to withstand everything I've been through. Yeah. Wendy, I appreciate you so much. I appreciate your willingness to be so honest and transparent and spending your time to come and talk with me and be so helpful to the Phoenix and Flame community. As you were talking, I had one last visual image that came to my mind I was going to share, and then we'll kind of wrap up for today. But sometimes when when I'm praying, I think about all of the stressors that are on me, and, and I imagine it's like a big woolen cloak that's full of water. Like you, like you've taken this huge thick wool cloak and you've dumped it in a pool and you picked it up Mm -hmm. and you put it on you and it's so thick and it's so heavy and it just weighs us down. And I feel like when I'm praying what that feels like, it feels like I get to unbutton the, the fastener of that cloak and I just drop it. And it's so heavy with all the stress and the worry that it just falls so heavily to the ground that if it was outside, I mean, a whole whole dust cloud would just puff up in the air because this heavy, wet woolen cloak just flopped all the way to the ground. And that was all of my stress and all of my worry. And I just walk out of it. I just walk right out of it and leave it behind. And I can do that because I trust God. And I, I walk to him and I just leave all that stuff behind because we're not meant to carry all that around. And that's a, some of that, as I've heard you say that today, is that, you know, sometimes we, we think we have to hold on to stuff and we don't. Mm-hmm. We, can, we can leave it behind and discover a new part of ourselves. you know, accept a new challenge and realize we can be, we can transform. We can become the phoenix. We can become the phoenix right. out of the ash. And that process, that's a becoming, that's a transformation. And so... If anyone is out there and you're listening to this podcast today and you're in that space where you're just really, you're stuck in the ash and you, you, you just don't really, you're just rubbing ash all over yourself. You don't know anything but the pile of ash. I'm like, well, you can continue doing that if you would like, no judging. Okay. But if you would rather move on, then you can imagine just letting that, that very heavy, wet woolen cloak, just unclip Mm -hmm. the fastener and just drop it to the ground. And just feel the heaviness of that drop to the the cement or the dirt and just walk out of it and go forward and whatever helps you, you know, whatever helps you have a a more successful, a transformative experience. So Wendy, one last thing, any last thoughts, any last uh, words of wisdom, anything that we haven't, we've covered a lot, but I just wanted to kind of wrap back around to see if there was anything that you feel like we might've forgotten or not. When when you let that cloak go, it, it's always, we feel like God needs our help. <laughs> you know, we want to hang on to it. Yeah, I know, I know I'm trying to give it to you, but I need to hang on to just this little piece on the corner here because I know you can't handle it without me. <laughs> but he can. And he just tells us to just give our burdens to him yeah. and he will take them. You know, in all my writing one of the things that's evolved lately is the fact that I am coaching. If any of your listeners just need that extra help, reach out. I'm there to help. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up, Wendy, because um, I almost forgot 
to send listeners need to go where to find you one exceptional life.com and it's the word one o-n-e and i am mostly on facebook and i have a facebook page called one exceptional life i also have a free facebook group for women it's called women living exceptionally with joy in jesus okay and it's a great group we just kind of working out all the all the different struggles that we have with tips and ideas and moving on and all of that stuff. And anyone who just wants to talk about how I can help, just go to Facebook and either of those places, you'll find me there or the website. Wonderful. Now, is the, if they remember oneexceptionallife.com, is there any information on there to lead them to the Facebook page, to the, to the women's yes. group? Okay. Yes, it's right on. Awesome. All right. Wendy, thank you. Thank you so, so much. I appreciate you. This was fun. I appreciate it so much. Well, listeners, I am so glad you decided to spend some of your time to listen to our podcast and to really tune in and listen to Wendy's story. The things that you've heard today from Wendy, from our discussion, whatever has been meaningful to you, I would strongly encourage you to you know, share it with your friends, share it with your family, share it with your coworkers. If you want to, you know, copy and paste the link in, in text and email, if you want to go to phoenixandflame.com, it will be on there. Just share what you've heard today so we can grow our Phoenix and Flame community so we can reach out and really help each other to, to pull up out of the ash and transform. So I hope the rest of your day goes very, very well. This is Dana on Phoenix and Flame.